You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the Post's newsroom to life on stage. Jackson, Mississippi Mayor Chakwe Lumumba joins Washington Post Live to discuss efforts to get more residents vaccinated and his message to those who are hesitant to get their shots. Let's listen. Hello, and welcome to Washington Post Live. I'm Yasmin Abutalib, a health policy reporter here at The Post. Thanks for joining us this afternoon for our program, Leadership During Crisis. We're going to be exploring the ongoing impacts of COVID-19 in America and the burden posed by vaccine hesitancy. My guest this afternoon is Shokwe Lumumba, the two-term mayor of Jackson, Mississippi. Mayor Lumumba, thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. It's a pleasure to sit with you, uh, Yasmin, and I look forward to diving into our discussion today. As do I. We have a lot to cover today. So we're, of course, going to start with vaccine hesitancy. Um, And I want to start with where things stand in Mississippi. Jackson and Mississippi, more broadly, has one of the lowest rates of vaccination in the country. The state has about 325,000 coronavirus cases and 7,500 deaths. Can you talk about the toll COVID has had on the state and what you're doing to kind of address some of that right now? Absolutely. Uh, I think that the state of Mississippi, uh, upon the last numbers that I received, uh, is about at a 37% vaccination rate, and that's for individuals who have received at least one dose of, uh, of, of a vaccine. Uh, and the city of Jackson or Hines County, uh, which the city of Jackson uh, sits within, Uh, is only marginally better at 41%. Uh, I think that we have to recognize that vaccine hesitancy is attributable uh, to a number of factors. Uh, I think that there is historic mistrust uh, for our healthcare system, uh, some of which I believe we would be appropriately, uh, it would be appropriate for us to recognize as being being warranted, uh, knowing uh, some of the historical factors that have led to that. Uh, But outside of that, after we combat that issue, we have to understand uh, that in so many circumstances, this pandemic has exposed the inequities that already exist, uh, where we have people who don't have access to regular health care physicians, uh, do not uh, traditionally see uh, or go to a doctor uh, within the course of a year, and in some instances, within the span of their lives, uh, we're asking that they deviate from every norm that they have established. Uh, it is that important uh, that we we build a a, a you know a public relations plan uh, that speaks to that. Uh, but you know, understanding that really illustrates just how daunting the task is ahead of us. And of course, making it more daunting now is the concerns over the surge and the Delta variant which of course is the most dominant strain in the US and is highly transmissible. And we saw the Mississippi State Health Director implement new guidelines, including advising those 65 and older, whether they're vaccinated or not, to avoid large gatherings. So how concerned are you about the variants and how do you address it given the low vaccination rates right now? Uh, Well, extremely uh, concerned uh, for a number of reasons. Uh, One, the city of Jackson, Uh, The demographic makeup of the city of Jackson uh, resembles uh, communities that have been have suffered at the most disparate uh, impact to this this pandemic. Jackson is about 85 percent black, uh, and we've seen that black and brown communities uh, have been most adversely affected nationwide. Uh, And so I'm concerned there. 
uh, I'm concerned because, you know, we, we have seen poor vaccination rates. And what we have seen is that this pandemic has exposed the inequities we already know to exist within our healthcare system. Uh, and so what we've attempted to do is author solutions uh, in the midst of this pandemic. Uh, we generated our own COVID task force to advise us on policy matters uh, so that our policies would be directed more based on science than politics. Uh, we have we were the first city to institute the mask mandate and our mask mandate is still uh, in effect today uh, in spite of some of the, the calls, the calls for uh, it being uh, revoked uh, in spite of uh, some of the people's uh, lack of of patience uh, at this point in time, seeing so many communities that are dropping the mask mandate. Uh, but if we're following CDC guidance, uh, which has instructed uh, that individuals who have been vaccinated can in fact go without a mask, yet and still we have poor vaccination rates, uh, then it does not warrant us uh, you know, releasing that policy over our city. Uh, and so it is important uh, that we understand that the Delta variant uh, is prevalent. We understand that people are still dying uh, at the hands of this pandemic uh, and that we understand that not, you know, too long in, in our past that we see, uh, you know, our morgues have to bring in additional coolers uh, in order to take all of the, the bodies of the people who unfortunately passed at the hands of this pandemic. Uh, Jackson is not only the largest city by a factor of three. Uh, it's not only the capital of the state of Mississippi, it is the capital of healthcare. And so our concern not only rests with our residents, uh, it rests with our surrounding communities because it will lead uh, to the increased burden on our hospitalization rates uh, if we're not able to tackle this in a comprehensive and collective way. And I want to follow up on something you addressed in your answer there, which is following CDC guidance and having people still wear masks. Among the recommendations that the state health department put forward was also that all unimmunized people still wear masks. Of course, adherence to mask policies has, has been a problem throughout the pandemic. So do you see people heeding that guidance and, and still taking that precaution? Unfortunately not. Uh, and I think that, you know, the early politiz politicization of the issue uh, is, in, is, is, you know, in part uh, to blame for that. But I also believe the lack of a unified message across the state uh, helps to contribute to that challenge. Uh, when you see communities that are interconnected, uh, here in Jackson, we, we literally have municipalities that on one side of the street, it's the city of Jackson. On the other side, it's another municipality. Uh, and so our efforts to maintain a mass mandate uh, are all for naught. Uh, if, you know, right across the street, uh, individuals are, are seen without masks and people can travel back and forth. Uh, and so it, it, it really... Uh, makes our policy in some regard more of a notion than, than a true reality in terms of the, the efforts that we're undertaking in order to protect our population. Uh, but I think that we would benefit from a uniform uh, policy, a uniform practice, and a uniform message uh, that makes it clear uh, that we need residents to dig in deeper. Uh, you know, as we have seen those fall victim to this, this uh, pandemic, uh, you know, we, we understood that we had to author a, a, a vaccine, that we had to, we, we had our, our medical experts to, to look and find what solutions they could, they could you know, um, unveil to us. Uh, now there is no justification uh, for us not to be vaccinated. And I want to talk a little bit about how prepared the state is 
if there were to be a surge or a rise in cases. A year ago, there was concern that Jackson, Mississippi would be out of hospital beds or overrun with COVID patients. What's that situation like now? Are there enough hospital beds? Are the hospitals at capacity? Are they doing okay? What What's the landscape right now? They are not at capacity, but I would, I think we're a far cry from saying that they're doing okay. Uh, Jackson and Hines County uh, has been listed as a high risk community uh, for our high hospitalization rate. Uh, we're still seeing, uh, we're seeing the surge that many unvaccinated communities around the nation and unvaccinated states are seeing uh, in terms of, of an increase in the numbers. Uh, and I think that we can return uh, to the very recent past and seeing that, that our hospitals are inundated uh, with new patients. And, and we have to understand that, that when we see that challenge, that not only affects those individuals who have contracted COVID, uh, that affects people who you know, are, have heart conditions, that affects people uh, who have any number of ailments that, that require hospitalization, and it just increases the burden. Uh, you know, we weren't prepared to have you know, an emergency medical facility uh, we weren't prepared to bring in uh, new medical personnel or additional medical personnel to help uh, address the, the, the harm of, of the pandemic. And so I fear that we're still in that same condition uh, as we are not yet out of the woods. And is there anything that the state or the federal government could supply you with right now that would help manage that burden or manage the, the potential rise in cases that you're, that you're worried about? Well, I think that, you know, as we understand uh, all of the dynamics that contribute to vaccine hesitancy, uh, ultimately what we have to be able to accomplish is meeting people where they are. Uh, I think that, that we have to adopt uh, a, a more uh, palatable uh, narrative that, that people understand. Uh, if people understood that the technology that has created uh, this vaccine is the same technology by and large, uh, that has created the vaccines that we have all taken uh, upon entering school uh, in our public school systems uh, that we require for our children. Now, obviously, uh, it, it is not the exact same vaccine, but it is it is based on the same science uh, that has led to the vaccines that we have become uh, much more uh, adept to, to accepting within our world. I think that is important. I think it is important uh, that we understand the places uh, where people commonly convene, uh, that we utilize credible messengers uh, here in Jackson, Mississippi, as is the case traditionally across the South. Uh, it is important that we engage our churches. Uh, those are places where uh, people find uh, not only community, but they find credible messengers within those, uh, those, those uh, places of, of worship. Uh, and so that's important. Uh, I think it is important within our communities that we use the barbershops and the beauty salons, uh, places where, where people are often not only convening, but having conversations about their resistance towards taking vaccines. Um, and, and I think those, those would be helpful. Uh, I, I was able to, to be made aware of the initiative of the, uh, the White House in order to, to have shots in shops. Uh, and I do think that that would be beneficial in the city of Jackson. Uh, but more important than all of those, those efforts that we can uh, imagine is making certain that we're on one accord uh, and singing from the same sheet of music. And I think it's important for us to dig into vaccine hesitancy more and the reasons for it, because of course that is the, the biggest concern of the Biden administration is how you get this last portion of Americans vaccinated. 
your state is obviously a great test case. I think you mentioned the statistics earlier that it's the one of the states with the lowest vaccination rates in the country. There's about a million people in Mississippi who have gotten vaccinated, which is about 37% of the population. And it's only slightly better in Hines County with, I think you said, 41% who have gotten at least one dose. So when you're talking to residents and you obviously understand your city better than anyone else, why do you think some of those reasons for hesitancy exist? Well, there's, there's general fear, uh, you know, for, for a number of reasons. There's, there's general fear. Uh, if you have never or, or don't traditionally go to a physician, uh, then you have a fear about uh, surrounding going to a physician. Uh, when we think about uh, the historic mistrust that is placed within black communities uh, around medical care, uh, as I said at the, the top of our discussion, some of which is warranted, and we have to acknowledge that, that contributes to it. Uh, the politicization of the issue within some communities is, uh, is to blame. Uh, but I believe that we have to, as I said, we have to truly understand the nature of someone uh, who hasn't gone to a doctor when they had a cold, uh, who hasn't gone to a doctor when they had the flu, uh, who hasn't gone to the doctor when they had any number of ailments or aches and pains, uh, then we're asking that they deviate from all that they know. Uh, and so what this pandemic, once again, has allowed us to realize uh, is that our, you know, it hasn't come to discriminate against anyone. Uh, it hasn't come to, to you know, demonstrate disparity over one community versus another. It is merely exposed where we are already missing the mark. And so this is the consequence of, of our, our historic failures. Uh, and so as we rise out of this, as we meet people where they are, as we do things like we've tried to do in the city of Jackson, such as have a vaccination day, uh, where we bring people to our convention center, uh, where we have you know, created a, a 1-800 number for people to call, uh, where we've created uh, not only a, a hotline, but a warm line for people who are dealing with uh, the social and emotional effects of, of a pandemic, uh, where we have tried to author any number of solutions. Uh, we have to continue to dig in deeper and meet people where they are. We have to literally pull up in people's communities uh, and, and make certain that they are presented with people that they know. Uh, it is difficult to have a doctor show up in a community uh, that, that has never shown up before, uh, that they don't know, they don't recognize, and telling them that, that they want them to accept a dose of a vaccine or put anything in their body that they have never done before. And so I think that, that instead of merely being critical and judgmental in that regard, we have to approach the circumstance with a certain level of compassion and understanding uh, so that we can have the necessary conversations and move at the pace of trust within our community. And I'm curious how you address some of those concerns when you talk to a resident of Jackson. It seems that vaccine hesitancy is most prevalent among younger people, among those in rural communities, and among people of color. So what do you say to a resident of Jackson who tells you they don't want to get the vaccine or they're worried about it? Well, I think that the first, the first step is to actually listen to, you know, what is the nature of their trepidation. Uh, if it is a young person, uh, you know, often young people uh, mistake uh, the, the circumstance that, that, or believe that, that they, are, they, they have the benefit of some level of invincibility. Uh, and this pandemic having a more disparate effect on our, more, our older population, uh, the, the seniors within our communities versus our younger population allows for that, that uh, narrative to, to be prevalent and, and pervasive. 
And so it is important that we not only speak to them uh, in terms of their pre-existing conditions, both known and unknown, and the fact that they are not uh, without, you know, any ability to be impacted on a personal level, uh, but, you know, appeal to their sensibilities with respect to the ones that they love, uh, appeal to their sensibilities with respect to their mothers and fathers and grandparents, uh, and, and even, you know, the, the potential that it could affect children within uh, their household. Uh, I think it is important uh, that I stand up as a credible messenger within our community and say, listen, uh, you know, I'm asking that you do for your family the very same thing that I've done for my family, uh, the, you know, based on the very level of concern that I have for, for my children, that I have for my wife, uh, who has decided to get uh, the vaccine along with myself early on in the process. Uh, and so that is important. Uh, but it is also about how we rally the troops, uh, how we bring in our pastors, uh, how we bring in uh, community leaders uh, who are helpful. Uh, you know, we just had an inauguration uh, for our second term. Uh, and as we were celebrating community and, and loving Jackson, uh, we made certain that at certain events, we actually had vaccination booths uh, so that we can make it available. Unfortunately, uh, I did not see the level of participation uh, in individuals taking the shots uh, as I would have liked to see. But I think that we, we can't uh, we can't allow or take on a defeatist attitude in that respect. We have to make it available in any and all events that we have, uh, any congregate settings that, that we have within our cities uh, to see to it that, that people, uh, you know, have convenience, if nothing else, in their decision making process. And of course, the problems that you're facing in Jackson and in Mississippi and getting people to take the vaccine are not unique to you. There are several southern states that all rank towards the bottom in terms of vaccinations, uh, including Alabama, Arkansas and Louisiana. Why do you think that is? What do you think helps explain some of the geographical disparity in vaccination rates? Well, I think that, that if we were to overlay the map uh, with where we see the greatest disparity in, in healthcare coverage and, and healthcare support, uh, we might see that that it, it mirrors uh, that those maps mirror one another. Uh, I think it is also important that we recognize uh, that our inability uh, from the state level, from the federal government first and foremost, uh, and from the state level uh, down to the municipalities, uh, our inability to uh, to share a a cohesive and consistent message uh, that we have failed our people. Uh, you know, what we do uh, for our elderly, what we do for our children truly speaks to, uh, speaks to our condition and our state as a nation and, and the quality of, of our representation. And I think that is important. Uh, I think that, that, you know, from this, we have to take some lessons uh, learned. Uh, I think that we have to not only uh, recognize the importance of economy and, and how we have suffered at the hands of this pandemic in the midst of our, uh, in, with our economies in the midst of this pandemic. Uh, but we have to recognize and see uh, sustainable development goals as a measuring or a marker uh, for the success and failure of our economies, uh, whether or not uh, people have access to health care, whether or not people have the resources that they need, uh, not only to fight for access to capital, but to fight for access to live. Uh, and when we are failing to achieve that, uh, then, then this is the consequence of, of those of that, you know, uh, historic and, and re repeated failure. I want to switch over a little bit. You, at the end of June, you met with First Lady Jill Biden. She came to encourage people to get vaccinated. 
What was her specific message when she came? Well, I think that that first and foremost, uh, we're, we're grateful for her uh, her attendance and and, and uh, her visit to the city of Jackson. I believe she was well received. Uh, you know, and her message was was one of of you know just reminding people of the threats, uh, reminding people uh, of the importance of of the vaccine, uh, speaking to uh, the fact that we have a friend uh, in Washington, we have uh, support. Uh, and and it's necessary. You know, I think that we we really missed the mark when we did not have uh, the leadership from the very top at the start of this pandemic uh, that that sang uh, the same tune that that you know mayors were having to you know to sing uh, and and you know figure out within our communities. Uh, we were literally authoring solutions in the midst of this pandemic, uh, learning our way through this challenge, uh, and so just having that level of support. Uh, knowing that uh, people don't have to to pay for the vaccine, knowing that this technology, as I mentioned a moment ago, uh, the, the science that led to this vaccine is not new science, uh, that this is tried and true, uh, and, and it has been utilized over, over many decades at this point in order to establish and create vaccines. Uh, that is important. Uh, when people are, are without understanding, uh, when they are already fearful, uh, then, then any little uh, point of misinformation uh, can be the deciding factor that leads to them not being vaccinated. And so I, I think that, that you know, uh, her visit uh, was not only timely uh, and much appreciated, uh, I think it was beneficial. And in our last couple of minutes, I want to ask you about uh, some other issues that Jackson is facing along with much of the country. One of those is the rise in violent crime, which has been happening all over America. And unfortunately, Jackson was not an exception. You saw the highest rate of crime in the city's history. So what are you doing as mayor to address that and to help alleviate that that burden? Yeah. Well, well, I think that that, you know, what is demonstrated, you know, and, and if I can give an example, you know, uh, as a as a young uh, man, if, if I showed up in my household uh, after failing a test and, and I told my parents that everyone else failed the test, uh, it certainly didn't, you know, garner any sympathy on, on their behalf. Uh, and, and so when we say that there's a rise nationwide, uh, you know, often people just want to know what the solution is, where they live and, 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 and how we meet this challenge. Uh, and, and while that doesn't alleviate uh, the concern, there are some least common denominators that we should be able to extract from these circumstances. Understanding that the combined factors of the social determinants that lead to crime uh, have been elevated uh, and increased in the midst of the pandemic. Uh, you have people suffering from economic turmoil. Uh, you have people suffering from social and emotional uh, trauma and stress. Uh, and so what we have to focus on is not only, you know, how we look at uh, the proper balance of, of how we are uh, how we are addressing public safety in terms of our policing mechanisms, uh, but how we are addressing not only the what but the why. Uh, how are we addressing uh, the need for engagement within uh, our our communities amongst our young people? Uh, what we have seen in the midst of the pandemic that has led to this violence is that young people have been alienated from the institutions in which they thrive, uh, no longer uh, being within school systems, no longer being a part of many of the uh, the extracurricular activities and community uh, centers that, that they normally are engaged in. 
Uh, and so it's a lot easier telling a young person what to do than simply telling them what not to do. Uh, and so as we have not only been having a conversation uh, about the effects of a pandemic uh, and also, you know, rising out of the, 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 the uh, murder or the assassination of George Floyd, uh, we're having conversations on social justice. We have to understand that they are two sides of the same coin uh, and they are interconnected. Uh, and so uh, the more that we focus on building an economy uh, based on sustainable development goals, build a dignity economy, uh, one which reflects the inherent dignity of every person, uh, the better equipped we are to address all of the things that harm us, uh, whether that is violence, uh, whether that is uh, disparate health effects. Uh, and so that's what we are looking at. Uh, as we're going into our budget, uh, not only did we make uh, strategic and progressive decisions to make certain that we covered 100% of the health insurance premiums for all of our city employees in the midst of a pandemic. Uh, we're also having conversations about how we elevate and extend the services of youth programming. Uh, we're talking about uh, how we bolster uh, the other areas of traditional public safety that, that we, have, uh, we have taken advantage of, uh, but we have to see this in a comprehensive uh, and a smart, we have to not only be tough on crime, but smart as it pertains to crime. Well, unfortunately, we are out of time, but thank you so much for joining us this afternoon, Mayor Lumumba. It was a fascinating discussion. I appreciate uh, the opportunity and enjoyed our discussion. Thank you. Thank you. Please come join us tomorrow at 3 p.m. Eastern. My colleague Michelle Norris will be interviewing Stephen Satterfield about a new docu-series on Black culinary history. You can find all of our programs at WashingtonPost.com. Sorry, WashingtonPostLive.com. I'm Yasmina Butalib. Thanks for joining. Thanks for listening. To hear more interviews from this series and other Washington Post Live programs, visit us at WashingtonPostLive.com.